All right. Um, today is the week, the fifth session, um, third week. Uh, and again, I tried to make it fast, easy to use, stuff you can actually do. Again, all my contact info, everybody here has it, but if someone sees this video some other way, this is my contact info. And today we get to have some fun. As always, what would happen if you could easily understand and use NLP tech techniques for business that and persuasion that actually work? Because naturally, as you become aware of this, you'll easily want to use it more, will you not? Right? And so today we're going to add to that. As always, we always start this to refocus our uh, reticular activating system, our survival mechanism to take it in another direction. How can I apply this new information? What stops me from implementing new ideas? What did I learn uh, last week? That should say Thursday. I apologize. How did I how did I use it? Did you begin to use some of the uh, magic words and things like that? How can I enjoy today's material? Trust me, you're going to like today's material, right? How can I grow today? And what can I do to shock myself? Right? All right. And as always, the first couple uh, sessions, the homework was keep the gratitude and appreciation experiment alive. I know Debbie's been doing it. I've been I've been doing it when I pay bills, like renewing my license. You know, uh, why do I keep one of my licenses in the state of California, which is the most expensive state to keep that shit, right? But I have it, so but I could be hey, I got it. I'm a, you know whatever. Um, had to renew my uh, my malpractice insurance. Um, but I was grateful to do that. And did you know what level people are in? Are they in the experience? Are they thinking about the experience? Are they thinking about thinking about the experience? Because as you begin to grab that, now you know where your people are, whether it's a one person or a group or whatever you're doing, and you can change their levels, right? Hopefully you're resetting your day with morning questions. Did you try the regret pattern on anyone? Right. Uh, I did today at the health club. I actually did that because guy was asking me, do I really use that CBD stuff I've been talking about? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I'll bring you a sample and trust me, you know, if you don't, it'll be one of those things you end up regretting. Don't you hate regret? And then we stood there and talked about regret. You know, he's an old guy at the health club. And uh, so he goes, yeah, we'll bring it in. I, I want to check this stuff out. So I actually, you know, I said, naturally, you know, it's the eat. And he's a master level nurse or a retired nurse. So I said, naturally, you know, the really cool health, uh, uh, natural health things, you don't see that around medicine. Wouldn't you agree? And he went, yes. And I said, well, I don't want you to regret not, not trying this sooner. He said, we'll bring it in tomorrow. So I, I, I should have had one with me. I, sometimes I'm not the best uh, at, at uh, practicing what I preach, right? Uh, find IQs and representational systems. I always watch that. Personal trance words. You know, um, and the guy I was talking to today, I was practicing, uh, you know, his was health, vitality, uh, getting more out of life, you know. Uh, so anyway, and so are you doing it? And the new homework was, did you look at people's needs? Are you a, are you a person that wants to be connected to other people or do you want to be significant? Uh, uh, so whatever it is, and, and, or, and, or do you want to grow or contribute? All of these, those needs. And notice how they drive. And again, uh, people's magic trance words. Uh, and again, the quick review of needs, certainty and variety, which one is for you, you know, uh, significance or connection, uh, growth or contribution. We did our natural, our magic words, naturally, easily, effortless. And again, those are linguistic lubricants is the only term I can think of. They loosen things. And then the awareness, notice, realize, uh, when you use those words, whatever you say after that, it causes the person to notice, to become aware of, or to realize. And what you could do, and I, I hope everybody did this, you could print your little words up and put them, like I have one now sitting over there. I can see it out of the corner of my eye, right? And when I'm using the other computer, which I'm going to start using more, the new computer, it's right above it to remind me to do it. Because again, you always default. I'm pretty good at using them, but if especially if I get caught up in what I'm doing, I may forget. So it makes me pull back. And if it's literally on the other computer, it's right above where the camera is, right? 
So if you're doing calls or you're talking to people, you're teaching a class, it could be, I mean, you guys can't see it, but it could literally, I've done this on an audition, right? I've hung the script literally right under the camera. So it looks like I'm looking at the camera. I'm looking at my freaking lines, right? Uh, so why not cheat? People don't, don't have to know, right? You know, and as, as one of my idols, um, uh, Coach Madden said, hey, it doesn't count if you don't get caught. So uh, anyway, sorry about that. All right, so, and it's the, you know, so what we're gonna talk about today, we're gonna start with the next level, which do you move toward a goal or away from pain? It's very, you know, these are kind of Freudian in a way, but it, it's a little bit different. So do you move toward pleasure or away from pain? We all move both, right? Um, but what do you have a tendency to do? One of the things I've noticed and I always say this when I teach hypnotists and NLPers, but it's also true a lot of times with entrepreneurs, they have a tendency to be more toward oriented people. They'll go, they'll take a risk, they'll move toward a goal, right? As opposed to a lot of people in the general public will only move if you set them on fire. They have to be in massive pain or they won't take action, right? And it's kind of like our certainty and variety. Entrepreneurs have a tendency to be okay with variety. They Things are going to be different, you know, maybe not as different as we've had in the last seven months, but generally entrepreneur types are a little bit more comfortable because you work for yourself. You don't know all this stuff, but generally when you're talking to a person, do, do they move toward pleasure or away from pain, right? How quick will they move? And here, here's, I use that some, here's one I have a tendency to use a lot, uh, which is, are you a big picture person or are you specific and detail oriented? So if, if I'm talking to you about a proposal, do you just want the big picture? Just give me the overview, give me the highlights, I'm ready to go. Or do you want the specific details, right? Uh, when, when, I'm, when I'm on and somebody calls about taking a class when I was doing live classes, I'd always ask that. I said, well, do you want just a big overview of what you're going to learn in the four or five day of a class, or do you want some specifics? And again, because it's people that are like, you know, uh, um, natural kind of therapists, uh, alternative, whatever word you want to use, they have a tendency to lead to more toward the big picture. Just give me the overview. Give me the highlights. Great. Right. So I'd say, well, here's what you're going to learn. You're going to learn and I'll just say four or five things, the big picture. This is what you'll see here if you'll bounce those words in, right? Every once in a while, somebody say, no, I want the specifics. Like, uh, like what are you going to, I swear to God, this has happened a couple of times. What are you going to be teaching in the afternoon of the third day? Well, I can tell you, and I'll just make something up. It's, to tell you the truth, it's actually irrelevant at that point, right? But it's important to them. And that's usually somebody from the licensed like social worker, psychologist, because when I used to write proposals for them, it was broken down in 15 minute increments. From eight to 8.15 is welcome. From 8.15 to 8.30 is the intro. From 8.30 to 9.45 or nine o'clock is this. And you, and they'd even say, now you don't really have to keep to this schedule, but people wanna see it. That specific detail oriented people, right? So you could, so if you're talking to somebody who wants specifics, give them specifics, right? Um, but if they're big picture, and we'll talk about this. So, you know, and the other one I use a lot, are you internally motivated or externally motivated? Again, entrepreneurs, a lot of times, not that I take that back. Are the, the hypnotist hypnosis world I work in, NLP world, they're more internally motivated, the, the therapist coaches types. General population, I think, leans toward external motivation, right? Uh, what other people think. So internal, external, the biggest would be, uh, do you, is it more what you feel and think or what other people feel, feel or think, right? Doesn't matter, but what, you know, it's whatever motivates that person. I mean, what's the, the example people give is like, uh, does a $10,000 Rolex keep much better time than a $100 Timex? So why would a person wear a $10,000 Rolex? A, if they can afford it, but maybe it's what other people will think when, when people see it, you know? Could be what they feel about it, but it could be what other people feel, right? 
so we're always balancing that, right? Uh, now, a lot of times when you see a really cool ad, they'll they'll kind of get this, you know, they'll they'll give you if you take this class, this is what you'll get. It'll be going toward. But if you don't take this, do you want to be one of the ones left behind? That's away from, right? They'll give you the big picture. This is the overview of the of the class we'll take. And then we get into the specifics, day one, day two, day three. So if you're a big picture person, like I am, I rarely look at the specifics unless I know I'm like, okay, I can't be there the last day. What would I miss? Other than that, I don't, I'm, I'm big picture, right? My wife, however, is very specific oriented. And it kind of makes sense. First of all, her, her, uh, her professions have always been very specific. She was a uh, performer on Ringling and doing trapeze, which is, that's a very specific art. Timing is important. It's not like just doing a, a comedy show, right? So it's very specific. Then she became a jeweler, right? A gemologist, whatever it's called, a gemologist, right? So very specific, the, the grade of the diamond, the cut of the diamond, all that. It's like, is it a, I don't know, it's white. Is it a diamond or what? I, I'm a... I'm a big picture person. And then now she's, uh, then she got her degrees in computer programming. And any of us ever dealt with a computer and yeah, we can talk about her husband. Where you put that freaking dot is important, right? I'm not that kind of guy, you know? Uh, so it's whatever it is, right? But, but you need to discover um, your target, what's important to them. Because if you give details to a big picture person, you lose them. They are not paying attention anyway. You give me the big picture, okay, I'm, I'm either on board or not. And then you start giving me all the details. It's like, right? Uh, what's a good example? Buying a car, right? If you're truly a big picture person, okay, the car look, picture criteria, it looks good, it feels good. Just give me the papers, I'll sign it. Don't you want all the details? Yeah. Either way. My opinion, either way, I'm getting screwed. It doesn't matter, but just I just want the car, right? But then other people, they're going to go line by line by line, right? Because uh, I was, I was kind of talking to a friend of mine. He's the credit manager guy at the Cadillac dealer by here. And we were talking to him. He read my book, and he goes, yeah. He goes, I look, he goes, after that, after I read your book and I was talking to the people, when they come in, I go, okay, do you want all the details or just the big picture? Because he goes, I would literally take 45 minutes going line by line by line by line, right? When half the people didn't care. They were excited about getting the new Cadillac. Just sign the paper, get me in my car, I want to go home, right? And he, you know, so, so if you give details to a big picture person, they get lost. But if you only give big picture to a detail-oriented person, they think you're lying. You're hiding something, right? Um so there's no right or wrong, but it's just whatever it is, right? And and fit your target. And if you talk toward from an away person, they'll get repulsed and vice versa. If you talk away from to a toward, it's like, I don't want all this negative stuff, right? Best example, I, I, where you see this the best is watch advertising on TV or now even on the internet. You know, some ads will be toward and big picture. Others will be very detailed and away from. Uh, there was an ad for a, some kind of life insurance product where it was like the old, like the guys there with his family. And it starts with, who will take care of them if you're not there? You know, very ominous. And so it was very pain-oriented away from, right? Uh, and it was selling some product. I saw this overseas, right? And then literally a couple months later, same company, same product, but it was like, you can invest your money but it can also pay you a return. Then it shows like a 65 year old on a motorboat, right? Playing around, having fun. So that's more of a toward, and they're not worried about, you know, does, does that make sense to everybody? It just, you know, cause I remember when I was in the Navy reserve, I was on doing something. And one of the other chiefs was also an insurance agent, had an insurance agency. And she found out I didn't have life insurance for my, uh, and I had a little girl at the time. And they're like, she's like, well, what's going to happen if you die? I'll go, I'll be dead. <laughs> well, what, what's going to happen to your daughter? I don't know. I'll be dead. But she's a very 
away from pain-oriented kind of person, right? And I'd already started learning this. I go, you know what? Does this life insurance thing you're trying to sell me, will it build toward a retirement? Yeah, well, shit, that I'll buy. It sounds cold. I don't want to sound like, but it's like, you know, and then she goes, oh, okay. Um, so anyway, do you move toward or away from? And think about pleasure, pain. Always remember that's personal. You know, what some people consider pain, and I'm not getting too weird here, but it's like, what's your level of pain? What, what, what do you mean by pain? You know, uh, and same with pleasure. Some people take great pleasure in working 80 hour work weeks and, you know, killing themselves. Well, yes. You're, when you speak about that, you're speaking about uh, pleasure and pain from a physical standpoint as well as from an emotional standpoint. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be a, emotional, physical, spiritual, financial. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, so it's just something that it's another level that we can add to our stuff. Now we're going to go back to uh, as within, so without to get others into a state. What, you know, if you want somebody to enter into a state, an internal state, to get them to take an external behavior, you know, how do you do that? So we talked some about states, you know, that all these things affect our internal state, but what if you wanna have a, I always call everybody a target. What if you want your target to enter into a state, whether it's excitement or calming down, whatever it is, what state you want this person you're talking to, right? Well, first of all, you have to realize generally uh, the, I don't know if it's a rule, the show, know, and do, uh, which is people love passion, excitement, and hope. Generally, people love that. Why? Most people don't have any, right? They just, they don't. And so they're drawn to people with passion, with hope, with excitement, right? Hoping that some of it will catch off to me, right? I mean, there's a reason why uh, what's his name? Schuler and uh, what's the uh, guy in Texas with the big smile, the minister? Um, um, Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen, right? It, there's a reason why he he sells passion, excitement, and hope. That's I mean, it's it works, you know. Not everybody likes it. Most people like it, but some don't. You could go to the other side. Some ministers. If you watch him on TV, the guy that's the, supposed to be the richest minister, everything's pyre, fire, brimstone, you're going to die a horrible death and go to hell unless you give me money, blah, blah, blah. So, but some people get motivated by that, right? Now, if you look at it from a mar marketing standpoint, you can't go to Olstein's group and talk about fire and brimstone and pain and suffering. They're not, it's not going to register and vice versa. You, if Olstein walked into that, uh, the other guy's church, it's not going to work, right? But generally, people love to see passion, excitement, and hope, right? And it, it's it's motivating. It gets you to take action. Have you ever watched uh, the infomercial guy with the flex all thing, you know, the seal all? He's so excited. If he's an actor, he puts De Niro to shame, right? But it's like, you almost want to buy it because you're like, well, damn, if he's that passionate about it, it might work. You know, I'm not sure I would make a screen, take a bunch of screens and make a boat, but you know, it's like, hey, he, it works. He's passionate, he's motivated, he's excited. People like that, right? So how do you get that in other people? Well, first you have to figure out what state do you need your target to be in, right? Do you want them excited? Do you want them passionate, right? And generally, you know, then you step back, well, what, what state do they need to be in to get the action you require? So if you want them to sign up, it might be excitement. It might be uh, uh, some kind of positive thing, right? Uh, but it depends, you know, because generally you'll, you know, you'll make a decision when you're excited. You know, the old rule of sales 101 uh, is, um, you know, people buy on emotion and then justify with intellect, right? Anybody else here ever do that? I bought a car once because I just liked the car. And then, then I went and found out it was like Motor Trend Car of the Year. This is back like 30 years ago. And then I could justify buying this car. When the fact is, I just liked the car. It was there was no other made me feel good, right? But then I needed to 
then I use my intellect to justify it, right? Uh, so anyway, action, what, what state do you need, right? Now, here's the secret rapport key. If you're in rapport with your target, I, I constantly always link back to rapport. The person will want to follow you. So if you're like, and you're just meeting, having coffee, talk, and you start getting excited, if you're in rapport, they'll get excited, right? Have you ever, uh, it's like, let's say, have you, here's a good one on a negative side. We've all had this happen. You're sitting there talking to somebody. It's kind of neutral. It's just neutral. You're having a cup of coffee. And then they go, hey, you don't have me the other day. What? I was driving. And then they get really pissed because they describe whatever happened. They got cut off. They got that. And they're like, they're, they're getting madder and madder. And they're getting more motivated. Next thing you know, you're leaning in going, you think that's bad. The other day, this happened to me. And then you got two crazy people sitting there in, in anger, right? Because if you're in rapport and, and, and Oz starts telling me about this thing that really pissed him off and he's getting angry, I want to match that. So I get angry. And the next thing you know, we're both pissed off. Right. As opposed, same with if one gets excited, the other will get excited. Right. You see it in a huge group thing. If you ever go to, if you're a sports fan, uh, and goddamn COVID. But if you ever go to a stadium, they talk about you know when the stadium turns, when they get excited, or when the stadium gets quiet. That's a whole big group thing. Right. And you see the athletes try to pump up the crowd, and vice versa. Right. But it, the trick is. You have to know this and you have to enter into whatever state it is you want your target to enter into. So if you want your um, person excited, you have to be excited. If not, I always say, then you're like the college professor. So today, Oz and Debbie, we're gonna talk about something that's so exciting and so motivating, it'll rock your world. Turn to page 12. I mean, we've had, I mean, if you, you ever had that in college? You know, this art is so exciting and you're sitting there. But, but the opposite is true, Will. When you have those professors that are just, you know, you just want more and more and more of what mm -hmm. they have to say because they're so excited about it. Oh, yeah. There's well, so I, had a, I had a college, I had a college professor, uh, um, ancient history professor. Uh, and the first, the first couple of days in his course, the guy was so animated and, and crazy. I remember leaving the course with the other students and we're all like, this guy is a nut job. You know what? Five terms in a row, all the same students in that course because he was so enrolled in what he was teaching. He was so excited. I almost became an anthropologist because of this guy. Oh, yeah. Well, the guy was like, amazing. It's like, what's that? Oh, oh. Tyson, great. Um, the, 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 um, black um, astrophysicist guy is always on TV. Oh, Neil deGrasse. He starts, oh, and this and this, this is so cool. And he talks about, and like, it, I have no clue what the hell he's talking about, but he's so excited when he's talking about, I want to go. And then I open the book and go, I, I, I can't get this, <laughs> you know, the curve of the, anyway, but he, he, he's one like that, right? It's infectious. That's when we say things like that. That person has an infectious personality, not to be confused with the COVID thing. <laughs> Ooh, tough crowd here on Friday. Anyway, so you're in rapport. If you enter into that state, like if Oz started talking about art and it's art he really likes, he probably gets excited. And if you're in rapport, that'll that'll get you excited. You know, if Debbie's talking about, um, you know, uh, this uh, net networking organization, Trustegrity, the networking organization. She gets excited, makes sure, okay, I want to learn more. Da, 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 da. You know, Bob and uh, the and uh, Diana and Carolyn, uh, we're in the NLP and hypnosis. You see people get ex excited. So first you have to enter into it yourself. And then all you have to do is describe it, right? Because it causes compare and contrast in, in the person's head that you're talking to. Right. And again, if you know your targets, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, their rep system, if you know they're visual, you talk visual words. If they're kinesthetic, you talk kinesthetic words. Right. But wait, there's more. This is so exciting. There's more. Right. It, here's a magic mind control tip. Right. First of all, you enter into the into the state you want for your target. So you get that's a rapport technique. So you're just having coffee. You're starting a proposal, whatever. 
And then, okay, I need them excited. You have to get excited, right? Now, this is especially true one-on-one. -on -one. Now, uh, now, Oz, naturally I know that you, like me, can easily enjoy learning about people. And I'm curious, when I feel excited about something, I notice that like my heart begins to race. I get kind of animated and I, I just want to learn more and I feel good. I, I don't know. That's how I feel. So I don't know about that, but how do you feel when you're excited? Right? If you ask that question, that's a magic little hypnotic language pattern if you want to know, right? Because first of all, you're in rapport and I'm starting to get excited. If we're in rapport, that'll get the other person excited. And you say now and you use their name. There's always that personalization. People love their name. Uh, naturally, I know that you like me, by the way, that's a hypnotic command. I know that you like me, uh, can easily enjoy learning about people. Generally, that's a true statement. People like learning about, and I'm curious when I feel, and you describe whatever state, you know, when I feel really curious about something, like I want to learn more, I notice that my vision opens up and I, I, I just, I breathe fast because it's just so much information and I want this and I want that. Now, that is it for me, but how is it for you? Well, then what they have to do is go in their head and do it, right? They may, do, they may abstract it a little bit, but the way your brain has a tendency to work is you're going to go there and say, no, no, this is what happens to me. My breathing slows down and I get real calm. Oh, really? That's cool, right? So... They have to be in that state to describe that state, right? And then it's so cool. So what we're going to do now is we're going to, how many people? Cool. We're going to uh, do a practice session, right? Because I want you to practice this. Now, remember your magic words, naturally, easily, effortlessly, before, after, and there's some in there. Uh, uh, now, Debbie, uh, naturally, I know that you like learning about people because you like people and you can easily enjoy learning about people. That's, that's why you do what you do. All right. And I'm curious. And then you say whatever it is you want. You know, when I'm contemplative, I should have started contemplative. I started excited, but this is what I feel. What about you? And then you'll see the person change to match you. It's like magic. I'm telling you, right? Uh, so where's my breakout room thing? Do, 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 do. I was just doing this the other day. Hold on, let me get my glasses on. Where's the, where's the, hold on. Hold on, what did I lose here? Where are the bottom. I'm not sure you can do it and share at the same time. Oh, you're right. That's okay. I can stop share. Boom. Dr. Will, exactly what are we doing in the breakout oh, room? You're going to pick a target. Once you get with your partner, you're going to pick a state you want the person to be in. You have to enter into it yourself. And then try to get the, your target to enter into that state. All right. So, hold on, hold on. It'd be great if everybody could turn their screens on so we know they're actually here. Yeah, everybody here? Yep, everybody's here. Breakout rooms, there's the breakout rooms. We're gonna create, let's see. Four? One, one two, three, four, five, six. I guess that yeah. means you'll be in one of them. Yes, I'll be in one. Four breakout rooms. Hi guys. It'll, it'll assign automatically, and so we'll we'll do it and have some fun. All right. Okay. Uh, do you did you put a timer on that? No, not yet. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay, uh, open all rooms. Debbie, you're going to be with me at the end. All right, here we go. Open all rooms. Go join. Uh, 10 minutes.
Okay. Oh, I'm going to put Debbie in room two. They said, Debbie, I thought you were going to be with Will. And I said, I'm not sure he knows what he's doing there. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> That's why we call it practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys are all into this, so you can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just felt this way. That was a great example you gave of me because that's exactly right about getting excited when I talk about trust equity and connecting and helping people and all of that. I get, I get the really hard part on Zoom is I want to use my hands and then my hands are just like. And when you go too close, it's a weird effect. Yeah, so I have to keep them in my lap now because normally when I get really excited, I'd be talking to people about it. And my hands would be going all over the place and my eyes open up, but on Zoom, which is interesting, Will, because Zoom is different than in person with somebody. You know, you're I'm restricting like sitting here, moving around, restricting my hands and physically trying to stay still because trying oh, to look at the camera. There's a class we could teach later. Is, I have to keep my hands down here. It's like doing a voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. A different. It's a different art than acting when you're on stage. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, if I but use my can't... hands out here, you, my hands go yeah. away. Yeah. See, See I got a, yeah, my background I have to keep them bad. here. Yeah. No, you you, got... your background, it depends on your settings and your computer, Some, um, someone told me. But yeah, I if I have it on, it would probably... Go. That's another thing. If you're using a background, half of you will disappear. <laughs> and I'm Italian, so I'm used to moving and at well, French, and, you know, so we, yeah. And excitement, I'm telling you, that's the most, it's like with the, not to be political, no, I don't care what people think, but everybody's underestimating the excitement factor, oh, which no. is the people that like Trump are excited. Yep. The other side is like, okay, I'll vote for Biden. Yeah. There's a big well, difference. There's that's a what big, happened. yep. You know, yep. and that's why Obama won by landslides. It's like there's a Bill Clinton. They're excited. You know, I think the excitement on the other side. Again, not to be political. I think the excitement on the other side is, can we just get this done? I'm excited that November third is coming up. Oh, by yeah. the way, Mercury went into retrograde today. Oh. And comes oh, out on November third. Comes out on November third. It's just oh joy. <laughs> All right. Well, just don't let the mushroom clouds over Portland, L.A., and Chicago bother you. <laughs> it don't bother me. I'm more uh, concerned about Mother Earth and the fires in California. So. Yeah, we'll see. All right, you guys uh, go do that. I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll I'm see you leave soon. This room. You guys go back and have fun to play with we this. Will. Okay, Debbie, why don't you start? Well, that's what I was.
coming back. Come on. All right. All right, all right. Michelle, we got in that day because it's the only day I did it. <laughs> that was awesome. Cut was Bob that? off in mid sentence. He just had me sold. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Order today. All right. Cool. All right. All right. Oh, here's your email address. And <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me go back to my shared screen. That was great, Bob. That, that was great as well, David. All right. So, and again, if you want to jot this sentence down, um, and you use their name, personalization, uh, naturally, I know that you like me. That's a cool hypnotic statement. I know that you like me. Uh, and you, I'm going to teach you the next part of that in one second. You can easily enjoy learn whatever you want. You can easily enjoy learning about art if I was uh, Oz, or you can easily learn about um, the importance of networking. <clears throat> whatever you're selling, whatever you're trying to do, that's, you just say that. Because if you're talking to them, you, you, you've got that, right? And I'm curious, though, when I feel, and then you just name a state. Again, it doesn't have to make sense. People are weird because uh, our brains don't work that way. So, but you've got the first part. I'm curious when I feel excited or motivated to take action. I notice this, 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 and this. You just say what it is. And how do you know you're excited or you're going to take action, right? And it just clicks in. Now we get to the cool stuff. This is cool, but this is my favorite. You want to anchor the state to you. Now this you could do on Zoom. You could do it in person. Right in the NLP and hypnosis world, we talk about anchoring with touches and things, but it works everywhere, right? And so you want to anchor the state to you if it's a good state. If they're in a negative state, you want to anchor it away, right? What's the worst thing you ever see people say? They get right in somebody's face and go, "You need to face your problems," and they're right in front of them. Yeah, you're my problem, right? <laughs> That's what parents have a tendency to do rather than stand to the side and go, look, we need to look at your problems off into the future, you know, whatever, or anchor the negative to the other people or the other, you know, you're seeing this now in politics. It's a good time to learn this because they're anchoring good things to them. You know, whatever patriotism is this, that's us. The bad guys are over there. Right. Uh, so you anchor good to you, negative to others. Right. And now the coolest technique ever for secret mind control to access inner power is the world famous, and this is my technique, the Bill Clinton technique. <laughs> Whether you like Bill Clinton or not, put that aside, I could care less. It's the Bill Clinton technique. And what it was, I started, you know, I was learning this and, you know, this is cool stuff. And some people naturally pick this up. Uh, and I, and Bill Clinton, for those that don't know, uh, he studied this stuff it, it, a lot, right? And he had a couple of coaches. Tony Robbins was one, but the actual guy that really taught him all this was a guy named Wyatt Woodsmall, just to be exact, Wyatt Woodsmall, Tony Robbins, and a couple other people. Uh, because what happened in 1988, quick background, uh, Bill Clinton gave the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention. And that slot is usually for the person they want to run for president soon. Right. It's the everybody wants this. Barack Obama did it in 2004. Right. 
And if you wow the crowd, you're in. Bill Clinton screwed the pooch, as they say. It was a horrible speech, horrible. It was like an hour and 10 minutes long. Nobody made it through the fucking speech. Excuse my language. It was a horror. It was detail oriented. Well, he's a Rhodes Scholar, right? And I mean, people that's met him said, you know, he's, he's literally got a photographic memory as well as a pornographic memory, but that comes, that didn't come in until like 96. But anyway, put a boom boom, I'm here till Friday, tell your friends. No, but he's like brilliant. So he got into all the details in this pot. It was like a boring speech. So they, a lot of people thought his career was dead. And then of course, fast forward to 92, he's run for president and he got caught doing a couple of things. Um, but again, they thought his career was dead. But he also, but after that horrible speech, he went and learned what makes a really good speaker? And that's where one time he said, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. He goes, I could, I disagree to my core. I remember him saying this with what Ronald Reagan stands for, but I love to hear him talk. And if you hear the power of that, it's like, cause Ronald Reagan, he was an actor, right? And he, he knew how to sell stuff, right? So anyway, so there's Bill Clinton. He's uh, uh, running for president, 92. He's up on stage with uh, the first President Bush uh, sitting up there on stage. Next to was also Ross Perot, and then there's Bill Clinton. They were sitting on these bar stools. And, and again, people thought Bill Clinton didn't have a chance because we just won a war, right? The first Gulf War. The economy was picking up. I mean, there's a, it should have been a landslide, right? But anyway, I remember they asked a question of the of the people running for president, you know, what about the people that are left behind? Was something like the was the question, give or take. I'm going to screw this up, but you know what I mean. Some lady in the audience asked, "Well, President Clinton, President Bush, couldn't relate to the question. He really couldn't, right? First of all, he'd been uh, head. What was it? He was a congressman, then head of the CIA for like 12 years, then vice president." And pre he hadn't been to a 7-Eleven in his whole adult life, for God's sakes. He was, you know, so he couldn't relate to the question. Uh, and it just came through. Ross Perot was Ross Perot. It just, he was Ross Perot. But Bill Clinton came down off this, you know, got off the bar stool because they were just sitting on the bar stools. He came down and went like, like, uh, Carol, I feel your pain. <laughs> I know what it's like to be left behind. I'm the, ch I'm the son of a single parent from Hope, Arkansas. That's where he said in famous, I'm just a boy from Hope. Now listen yeah. to that word. I'm just a boy from Hope. And he goes, you know, my mom, and then he did something, but he did this movement. He went, so I know what it's like because, you know, we had to work for everything. And he did this motion. He did one of these, looks like he's thinking, he goes, now you gotta remember the president and Ross Perot is behind him. He goes, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Oh. Right, and what's behind him? The president, who's a multimillionaire. His dad was a senator. His grandfather was a congressman, and Ross Perot, a billionaire, brilliant, right? But anyway, it gets better. In '96, he's running for re-election, and he, again, he always connects. But he comes down, and he, 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 you know, the other guy running, Bob Dole, was just standing behind the podium. Bill Clinton's going, ladies and gentlemen, America is booming. Good things happen, and he touches good things happen in America right now. And whatever he in 1996, we're all old enough to remember this, I think. Uh, you know, there was peace, there was prosperity, certain things were happening, whether you like the guy or not. But anything he said, statement of fact that may had a tendency to make you feel good, he kind of did this motion where he rub his chin or he touches tie. I should have my tie on, right? So it'd be like America's booming, there's peace, there's prosperity. That, that anything good he anchored to him. Right, and it's that simple. I'm sitting there going, this guy is good, right? But it gets even better. He goes, so, you know, America's booming. He did this brilliant move, but ladies and gentlemen, I can't take credit for all the good things going on right now. <laughs> I have to give some credit to my esteemed colleague, Senator Dole. And I still remember people thought that was fascinating because he gave compliment to his the guy running. But he goes even better. So after he did it, so again, ladies and gentlemen, good things are happening, but we still have problems in America. You know, we have, and he just, but it was a natural, we have problems. We have whatever problems are, you know, 
welfare, teenage pregnancy, and he's pointing at poor Bob Dole in the, in the frame of the picture. So he was taking all the good things to him, putting the bad things over there, you know? So I'm not sure who the best NLP person you could ever hire would be. There's a lot of really good people out there. But, and you can, you know, you could go like this, you know? So you could, so the Bill Clinton technique is, is pretty simple. It's when everything good happens, you bring it to you. Or if you're, if you're talking to somebody and they're just in a good state, bring it to you. And I don't know where he learned that, but I think it was, from what I understand, people that studied it, study comics. Because when a comic has something that works, they anchor that, that buzz line, that whatever they do becomes anchored to them. You know, from um, Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, yeah. You know, his, his you know, little all shucks, get her done, right? And if you ever really watch when he's been, one of his comedy specials, there's a couple, one of them, you can tell he kind of lost his space. And so out of nowhere, he goes, get her done. And he does his little goofy laugh and the whole audience laughs. And then he got back on track. That was his anchor. That was his, like, that was his mo moment. Does that make sense to everybody? Oh, so, yeah. So good to you, bad to them. Or just, you know. So when you found a really good, whatever it is, you know, I'm not sure when, you know, uh, there was one guy who made a fortune back in the, late 80s, early 90s, teaching a version of this um, for dating purposes. We'll call it that, right? Uh, he had a website called Speed Seduction. Get laid now, ask me how. I still think that website's brilliant, right? And, but he was mainly teaching like computer geeks. If you go back to the early 90s, who was on the computer? It was computer geeks, right? But he would talk about, you know, um, eliciting the state and the person you want. You know, so you're sitting there and you just say like, um, you know, uh, hey, Carolyn, you're a beautiful, intelligent, articulate woman. So you make a compliment, right? People go, oh, and I'm curious because, you know, uh, I'm just curious, Carolyn, what kind of guy do you find attractive? <laughs> now, if you're in a dating, I tell, I, I was talking to someone and somebody in the audience wanted to argue, oh, I would catch that in a club. Well, not really. Well, what are you going to do? I just gave you a compliment. I ask an honest question, right? But what do they have to do in their head? They have to go inside. First, they take a compliment. It makes them feel good. That's going to be anchored to you. Well, I feel good when I'm with... Why do you want to be around people? You want to be around people who make you feel good, right? doesn't matter how or why. And if you ask a question, you know, what do you find attractive in a person if you're dating, right? They have to think about it and enter into it. And if you're standing there doing this thing, you know, like, I'm curious, tell me. Right? And they'll tell you if you were, it, yeah, it's, you know, you know, uh, you know, Oz could do it like he's talking to a, a, a gallery owner. You know, I'm curious because you're, you're the kind of, you know, you're intelligent, whatever stuff you'd blow up to them. I hate to use that term. But, you know, uh, how would you feel catching the next rising star? the next rising star in art. How would you like to be the guy in New York that first uh, would, was the first guy to uh, exhibit Andy Warhol? How, how would you feel about that? You know, that's a stretch, but still, you know, I, I know uh, actors that learn this, they use it about, you know, how would you like to be the actor that, or the director that cast the perfect actor in the perfect part? Right? If you think about it, they sit there going, and I know when I teach this, people go, oh, they're going to catch you. What are they going to catch you doing? And Debbie and Carolyn and um, Michelle and, and, and Bob seen me. At I do this at a conference in front of hundreds of people that know what this is, and very few catch it. Right? And these are people that's supposed to know what it is because I taught them. Right? And yet you get caught up in it. You don't. And then again, what are you going to catch me doing? I'm just, this is how I communicate, you know, because when you think about the really good communicators, 
throughout. And if you just, if the, there's no trick. It's just when you make this your natural movement, which most people do anyway, you know? Right. Well, that's it. You're not catching it because you're not looking for it as a con. It's who you are. You teach NLP. You understand it. You know it. It, it is a part of who you are, and it does come naturally. So I don't think... It, yeah, I mean, you don't notice it because we know you, and that's who you are, and that's what we follow you for is because you're a role model. Well, and let me wait. There's more. <laughs> All right. So Bill Clinton, this is worth the price of admission alone, right? I really fell in love with this when I was doing stop smoking seminars, right? Because, and I just started doing this in the, back in the nineties, because that's when Bill Clinton was around. And I'm like, well, how powerful is this? Right? How powerful is this? So let's test it. How do you <laughs> test it? Right? You got to have control groups. You got to, eh, it's a lot of work. So this is anecdotal testing at best, but it worked. I was doing stop smoking seminars. And so people pay like, I remember it was like 50 bucks credit card, 40 bucks cash to go to a stop smoking seminar. Right? And it was at the holiday end. It's one of those things. So people are coming in and they pay their money. They sit down when the seminar starts. You know, it was like an educational seminar, a break, and then you do the hypnosis, then they go home. Anyway, there is kind of a routine most people fell into, which is you come up on the stage and you and you do some credibility building. You know, this is my background. This is why you should listen to me. Yada, yada, yada. Boring as shit to do when you do it like once or twice a day, four days out of the week for a month at a time, right? But anyway, it seemed to work. Right. And so you in certain guys that doing those seminars kind of had it down to a science and I was doing it. Then one day I go, well, if this stuff works, let's let's have some fun. Let's see if it works. Now, all these people in the room um, had. So so I knew kind of what my results were if I just did the standard. So that's the control group. Then so I had a group in the room and I came out, just bounced on stage. Hey, everybody, how many people here want to quit smoking? Uh, shit. They just gave me forty dollars. So hopefully everybody raises their hand. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, how many of you are like skeptical, right? I'm getting rapport with the audience, right? And they're like, yeah, I go good. Being skeptical is a good thing, right? Because skeptics turn into my biggest fans. Now, let me, uh, here's what I want you to do. Everybody, now again, I didn't introduce myself. Well, they kind of knew who I was from signing in, but everybody take a deep breath, close your eyes. I'd look around the room, 99% of the people would close their eyes, right? They'll do what they're told. And so they're sitting there. I said, now all I want you to do is take a deep breath and relax. Good. Now what I want you to do is uh, think about all the reasons you want to stop smoking. Good. And I was very, this is how I talk, stop smoking, you know. Uh, now what I want you to do is I want you to think about a place you feel safe and secure. Where do you feel safe and secure? It might be your house, might be your office, wherever it is. Feel that feeling of safety and security. Good. Now just, just to have some fun, think about somebody you respect and admire. Now, men, imagine they're sitting there with their eyes closed. You know, it could be a, a parent, a grandparent, an authority figure, a religious figure. Just who do you really respect and admire? And think about how good they make you feel. You trust this person, right? So think about that. Now, think about that safety and security, the reasons you want to stop smoking. Now, really get that image of that person that you respect and admire. Take a deep breath. Open your eyes. Look up here. Good. Everybody look up here. Good. Think about that person you respect and admire. Puts you in a good state. Now, let's get going. I love it. Right? It was great. Took like 25 minutes off my seminar. The, the, the measurable I could follow is the average, about two and a half percent of the people would ask for their money back at the end of the seminar because you always had a money back guarantee. States made you do it. And when I started doing that, it went down to way less than 1%. I'm not saying it worked. I don't know if they stopped smoking or not, but just the, me the only real measurable you had is who asked for their money back the day of the set or that week because they, you know, because <clears throat> uh, we'd usually do a seminar, like four or five seminars in an area. So every once in a while, somebody come, was there the night before, the night before and say, you know, it's really not working. Fine, here, give me your money. I don't, uh, give me your ticket. Here's your money back. I, you know, it was, it was good operation, but does that make sense to everybody? Oh, sure. Because I, I just jump right to who do you respect and admire? I don't care who you're thinking of, because in your mind, you're thinking of whoever. Now open your eyes, 
and I clap my hand, look up, which makes them look, look up here. Good. Think of that person now. Let's get going. And then we just get started. Right? And I do that a lot at conferences. Some of you see me do that at conferences. It's like, think about it. What's the best? At a conference, I'd say, okay, what's the best seminar you've seen this week? Good. Well, that I do with your eyes open. So everybody, good. You having a good time? Great. Think about the best seminar you've seen so far. Think about the one that made you feel the best. Good. Now, as you're thinking about that, you know, and, and every once in a while, somebody go, oh, so you're, yes, how do I not do this? Right? I was at one of those, um, um, what are they called? Uh, where you, you pay like 99 bucks and they have like eight speakers, one of those business things. And it's, it's usually horrible speakers, by the way, you know, that are famous in another context. The quarterback of the New England Patriots, well, just doesn't mean he's a business guy. It means he can throw a freaking football. But anyway, he's headlining this, right? Or General Schwarzkopf, right? Doesn't mean you're, anyway, but they're usually giving speeches. And usually you have one or two good business people. Tony Robbins might pop up at some of those and they come in, they, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody know what I'm talking about, whatever they call uh, You don't see them obviously now, but you still see them around. One time I was watching one and whoever, it was pretty boring, tell you the truth, but somebody rocked it. And it was obviously an unknown person who knew how to speak. He had the audience laughing and joking and, and they were getting into it, right? Great. And then, then what would happen? And they, you know, the the MC would come out and say, "Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the next," uh, um, you know. And it kind of would take, you know what I mean? Um, follow me on this. So anyway, that guy just had him rocking. People were clapping. It was the best talk so far that day, right? And the guy, I could see the guy who was coming on next. Again, another guy I never heard of, but he's standing right there. And he's watching and the MC comes out and he goes, and ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure. This guy runs on stage, goes, hey, I hope you don't mind, but let's give a big round of applause to whoever it was, to Debbie, who just rocked the audience. Come on, everybody, come on, clap, clap. Wasn't that Debbie, come back out. Debbie, Debbie, come back out. Oh, let's give Debbie a big, he was, it was brilliant, right? And then he, and of course she's like, yeah, whoever it was is like, thank you, thank you. And he goes again as, then there we go. Stage. Again, let's give him a round of applause. That was wonderful. Now, to build on that, and then he started his shtick. And a couple times in it, he would mention back to something that they did that the audience, uh, all the speakers that did something good. And I think where they got that from, have you ever been to a comedy club? If you've yeah. ever been to a comedy club, you usually have three comics. The new guy, who's usually the funniest, and then the middle, well, the middle guy is usually the funniest, right? Because he's not quite a headliner, but he's probably been in the business a, a few years. And then you got the headliner who's polished. That's generally what happens, right? Well, when you watch a lot of the good ones, usually the headliner will always watch the first two shows. Why? He's, 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 and they'll come out and they'll repeat whatever's working, right? So it's like building on that, like, hey, lady, you know, I remember I was here and, um, Bassani's or one of the clubs here and the comic came out and he goes hey it was the headliner whoever it was pretty medium name as seen on you know Comedy Central comes out he goes first let's give a round of applause to whoever the first guy was wasn't that great remember that and he told one really funny joke he kind of yeah let's give him a, and the next guy and then he started his shtick right so man it oh this Clinton technique it could be called the comic technique. If you have a big thing about Clinton, you just call it the comic technique, right? So uh, oh, that's one of my favorite things to teach, but it takes a while to get there. When you add in magic words and personal trans words, VAK, and then you add this, the eliciting states, and you add in the Bill Clinton technique, ooh, it's, it's, it's wild, right? So your homework for the coming week is magic words, Keep working on your natural, easily, effortlessly uh, aware, notice, noticing, realize. Uh, we're going to learn some more things. We got one more to add to it. Uh, practicing eliciting states, right? So when you think about it, right? Uh, and then practice the Bill Clinton technique, right? So when they're in a good state, anchor it to you, whatever it happens to be, right? Or if you're selling something, obviously you can anchor it to the product. 
you know, the product. So let me stop the recording. So that's your homework.